1: My guest today is the host of CBS Sports Radio's Late Night Show Hours with Amy Lawrence. The show can be heard weekdays from 2 to 6 a.m. Eastern Time. That's 11 Pacific Time on North America's largest 24-7 major market radio network. Listeners also could tune in via the Sirius XM platform 158. Uh, prior to joining CBS, Amy spent nine years at ESPN Radio where she was The only regular female host, she had local radio stops in a number of cities, including Oklahoma City, where she was the first female in state history to pilot her own sports radio talk show. She's handled basketball, play-by-play, color duties, and a whole host of other things in her sports announcer's career. I'd like to welcome Amy Lawrence to Blessed to Play. Amy, thank you for joining us.
0: You're welcome, Ron. I appreciate the intro. Gosh, it takes a long time when you're old and you have a long resume.
1: (laughs) Well, truth be told, I actually had to shorten it up. So there we go. So we could get enough time in to interview you. But this has been quite a journey for you in an industry that, uh, uh, as you know, has been male dominated. Before we get into that, I want to know where did the curiousness start when it comes to analyzing sports?
0: Well, I started playing when I was in third grade. Uh, I was a little leaguer in my state of New Hampshire, my home state of New Hampshire, and I remember uh, still being so proud to put on the uniform. But initially, my interest in sports was about playing. It wasn't about analyzing or breaking them down Mm -hmm. or even watching them, Ron. I didn't watch sports when I was younger either. Uh, I would say about 13-14, 13-14, I started watching the NFL uh, at home with my stepfather, and I remember being so consumed by the excitement. I knew nothing at all about what was happening on the field, but I just knew it was exciting and the adrenaline was there when Chad Elway and the Denver Broncos had this 21-point fourth quarter comeback. I remember that game specifically, playing against the New England Patriots, and I was hooked. And from that point, not only did I start watching football a lot more, but I began Began to watch the NBA, and so mm-hmm. I cut my teeth on late '80s, early '90s NBA, which to me <laughs> is the golden era of the NBA. Everything from the Celtics versus the Lakers to the Bad Boys, the Pistons, um, and then even into the Michael Jordan years. And I tell people all the time, uh, I feel sorry for you if you never saw that era of the NBA <laughs> or never saw Michael Jordan play, because it would change your perspective on basketball. Uh, and so that's really where it started. And when I was a junior in high school, I was actually about to submit an application for the Naval Academy, and I had you know, a family that live in Maryland, and I had spent some time walking around Annapolis and thought maybe that was the right path for me, uh, thought maybe I would play basketball in college there. And then I realized that what I really wanted to do was talk about sports for a living. Now, I am still... Uh, A play-by-play announcer at the very core, that's my first love. And one of these days, it's my dream to work in the NBA, uh, either for a specific team or for a network. But it turns out I'm okay at talking about sports in a talk show format, too. (laughs) And so I started doing it. I'm glad there are no tapes or recordings of what it was like when I was – really early in my career. I uh, just celebrated 20 years in sports talk radio uh, last year, actually. And so I'm glad there are no recordings from year number one. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's become a passion of mine, more so than talking about sports, but connecting with an audience now through the lens of sports has really become the goal and the, the vision for my radio show.
1: So let's put the play-by-play hat on. Growing up in Concord, New Hampshire in the Boston market, I'm thinking Johnny most, but who were those announcers that had an impact on your career?
0: Well, definitely Johnny Most, and that gravelly voice and that uh, that approach that was so much geared to the Celtics fans themselves, and the reason that it mattered to me is because we grew up in the boonies in New Hampshire, uh, Concord, excuse me, and I didn't have cable TV when I first started to follow... The Celtics. Uh, and so I would listen to Johnny Most, bit tail end of his career, but of course there are plenty of recordings out there. And then Glenn Ordway mm-hmm. was, the, was his partner but also went on to do play-by-play. And Glenn Ordway, a longtime host as well it, at, at a Boston station. And so I began to listen to him on his talk station as well as listen to other sports talk too, just to kind of follow the teams that I was falling in love with. And that's really where I got the bug. So I went to undergrad for communications, but at the time, even knowing what I wanted to do, I had a lot of people in my life, whether it be principals at school or family members, say to me, Women don't do sports talk radio. That's not what women mm-hmm. do. So make sure you have a backup plan, which initially I did. I worked on an accounting degree. I, I have an accounting degree, and in addition to my communications work, I definitely needed that accounting, uh, the accounting <laughs> acumen so I could have side jobs and to supplement my radio income when I was early in my career, uh, so I definitely did listen to a lot of sports talk radio, but once I started into it, it became really me forging a path that was unique to me, because there were no other women doing it. I didn't have any other women to listen to that sounded like me or looked like me. And and so I really don't listen to a lot of sports talk radio now, but even going back the last 15 years, because I felt that it needed to be a style that I crafted on my own, because I recognized early on Mm -hmm. that, that I was different than most of the rest of the industry.
1: Well, no more crunching numbers for Amy Lawrence. Blessed to play Ron Meyer, joined today by Amy Lawrence. She's the host of CBS Sports Radio's late night show with Amy Lawrence. So let's talk about this journey. And uh, it's always intriguing to me, whether it be an athlete's journey or, in your case, an announcer's or a uh, sports show host journey because it's filled with adversity, but you were in a male-dominated industry. You had uh, stops in places like Providence, Rhode Island, Lebanon, New Hampshire, Syracuse, and Rochester, New York. You weren't always welcomed, Amy, quite you lost your job on a couple of occasions. Uh, people were criticizing you when they didn't really have a valid criticism, but you had this stick-to-itiveness to keep on doing what you're doing, and it wasn't for the money at first, for sure
0: oh gosh, it's still not for the money. Anybody who gets into radio thinking it's about the money is woefully, it really woefully, I'm trying to think of the right word, uh, misinformed about our industry. And it's getting smaller and smaller. Uh, so a lot of women that I know now who come into the business, uh, not only is TV more appealing, it's I would say less work uh, than doing a radio show, but it's also more lucrative if you get to some of the higher echelons and you kind of work your way up. That's not radio. Radio for me is really about the love of of the art form, the love Mm -hmm. of, of creativity, the love of connecting with an audience in a way that they don't feel like they're missing anything just because they can't see you or see what you're talking about. Um, so yeah, t- to me, it's always been more about pouring into it my personality and creating mm-hmm. a style that was that was special and unique for me, but also one that, listeners can't find anywhere else. And not just because I'm a female, right? Not just because uh, I sound different, but because I offer a different product. Yes, you have to be able to talk about sports, but you also have to be able to entertain. And you know, Ron, there are 8,300,000 options these days, between podcasts, between other radio shows. There's multiple networks out there, whether it be satellite, whether it be CBS Sports Radio, where I am. Hosts come and go. Voices come and go. How can you get people to care about you and what you have to say, even if you don't necessarily talk about something that they want to hear. And that's the challenge in network radio, is that you have an audience of not just the entire United States, but we have international listeners as well. People can connect with us digitally all the time on demand. If I'm talking about a team in Portland, let's say – how can I get people in Florida to care? If I'm talking about a sport like tennis or golf that is more niche, that people don't all care about everywhere, how can I still keep them engaged and keep them listening? So that's the challenge when it comes to network is to be able to hook people so they care about you. And, that's that again, that's really what it comes down to in radio. People need to care about you and care about you know, what it is that you have to offer, even if they don't necessarily find the subject matter to be that interesting.
1: <laughs> well, let's talk about uh, connectivity with your audience, that connection, because I think you came into the industry, I would say, pre-social media, and now everyone is on social media. Uh, opinions are less filtered when it comes to the when the public and how they're reaching out to you and and to your show. How has that changed the dynamic of what you do And also, how do you handle it differently than you did in the past?
0: Definitely no social media when I got into the business. Though, as I was making the jump to full-time sports radio, chat rooms were a big deal. I'm not sure if you remember chat rooms or uh, really where people would go and just complain about whatever topic that they felt like that day they needed to get off their chest. I remember the first time, so this would go back to 2001 or two probably one, and I stumbled into a chat room in Norman, Oklahoma, where I was doing my first ever full-time sports radio show, and I stumbled upon this thread of people talking about me, and not only were there comments that were untrue and were there claims being made that were not accurate, but it was vicious and i cried and i tell young broadcasters this a lot um you you do have to get used to the fact that you're in a public forum and that you're a public figure and people will have their opinions but at the same time if you don't react to them if you don't respond to them if you Mm -hmm. don't give them any credence essentially they blow away a little bit like dirt on or, or, or a tumbleweed if we're in oklahoma uh right in in the uh in the desert something like that uh just those things, they're they're flashes in the pan. They're opinions, they're emotions, and most people are just looking for a reaction. If you cannot react to them and you can allow them to just blow away, well, they don't have power over you. But also, you you talk about connection. Social media, while there are ways that we, as media members, do connect over social media, especially Twitter now. Most of the news that, that happens in our industry happens over Twitter, and so I need to have it. But it's not social, and it's the opposite of media, right? So often it's not truth. Truth is irrelevant on social media and it's not media. It gives us this false sense of connection where we believe that we know each other and that we can say whatever we want uh, without it having an impact. And the difference with public figures on social media is that we have a double standard for us, right? Because there are essentially people out there who are just waiting for public figures to trip up, mm-hmm. whether it's media, entertainers, musicians, actors, anyone famous. Um, it's, it's just this crazy web almost where we're waiting for, and by we I just mean American society, waiting for these people to make a mistake so we can point out to them you know, that, th- that they've screwed up. So social media is definitely a trap and I am very careful. I have very strict rules for myself. I don't insult people. I don't call people names. I don't use words on social media that, that can be construed as offensive, obviously. Um, but really I don't use it to engage the same way that I did because I don't need to. Uh, I have my radio shows. That's how I connect with people. Um, certainly there are connections that are made in the business over social where we find guests and we're able to uh, have more people on our show that we probably wouldn't have found otherwise. But when it comes to interacting with listeners, I'm very careful now to recognize that Twitter especially is only a snapshot. It represents such a small percentage of the audience, and a lot of times, even with the criticism, even with the negative and the vitriol, Mostly what happens is people are looking for a reaction, and when they don't get it, they kind of move on, and that that dust ball blows away.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't want to trip up again. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. When we come back, we'll talk about how faith impacts the life of this sports radio host. More with Amy Lawrence when Blessed to Play returns after this. I hope with complete trust that you will give me, through the merits of Jesus Christ, all the necessary grace in this world and everlasting life in the world to come. For this is what you have promised, and you always keep your promises. Amen. Welcome back to blessed to play Ron Meyer joined today by Amy Lawrence. She's the host of CBS sports radio's late night show after hours with Amy Lawrence, which can be heard weekdays from two to 6 a.m. Eastern time, 11 Pacific. And, uh, it's on Sirius XM 158 as well. And we talked about her, what is an illustrious career as a sports radio host and also one who does play by play and has been going at it a long time over 20 years, but at the heart of Amy is her faith, her faith in God, and she brings that with her to her occupation and and everything she does and, and who she is. But let's start off with the basic. When did faith become important in your life, Amy?
0: At six years old, uh, first grade, school assembly in Athens, Georgia. I can still remember the exact moment that I heard a speaker, I, I'm I'm assuming that it was Uh, someone who had been brought in to kind of address our elementary school, Uh, and I remember there was an invitation to ask Jesus to be in our hearts and to be Lord of our lives, and even at six years old, I can not only remember the moment, uh, but I can remember how I felt, how it changed me from the inside out, and as much as a first grader can comprehend, it was life-changing, and it's never not been the most important factor in my life, my heart, my walk, my my soul, as well as my career path. And of course, I didn't know then that it would change everything about my life and my future, but I know uh, that, that the Lord was reaching out to me, and that He saved me, and that He offered redemption and forgiveness, and this too, Ron, for mm-hmm. me— Growing up, I did not have an earthly father who was present. I still don't. I don't have a relationship with my biological father. And while the Lord has been gracious to bring multiple father figures into my life at different points along the way, I don't, under, I don't have any recognition or, or understanding of what it's like to have an earthly father who offers unconditional love and acceptance and support and protection and kindness and strength. And so, God, my heavenly father, is all of those things that my earthly father was not. And that will forever be my testimony. That's what he rescued me from. And I no longer feel that void because God has been my heavenly father since I was six years old. Yeah, that's
1: a great connection that you have made. And you're an obviously secular radio. And we see in contemporary times, uh, I know, values and ideologies that are promulgated through mass media. How do you deal with this media hegemony which has made its way to sports media when there is a conflict with what you believe as a Christian?
0: That is such a tough question and a tough question problem that faces believers in our industry every day. And I do admire those people who are so bold about their faith and who will not only use their media platforms, but also will use their social media to speak out, um, knowing the backlash that is likely to come back at them. Ron, I would say this, the number one thing I tell young people, and this is even in my new class that I taught at Syracuse this Spring, whether it's about faith or it's something else, your number one responsibility while you are on the air and in your interactions as a host or as an announcer is to your company, right? Mm-hmm. They've hired you. They've given you a job. The Lord put you in that position mm-hmm. and gave you a platform, but your platform is owned by another authority. Your platform is owned by, in my case, uh, you know, a parent company, Odyssey, and my responsibility is to them, meaning I can't go on the air and start preaching about all the things that I believe and, and all of the ways that I think, you know, our society has missed the mark, right? Like, those are my beliefs and, and my values, and anyone who has a personal conversation with me knows right away what I stand for. Mm-hmm. I do not hide it. But God has put me in a position where I need to be respectful of my company. So I do not talk politics, and it's not as though I hide my faith. There are plenty of people who recognize and who have said to me, uh, your faith shines through, but I recognize that if I'm not in that arena, I can't be an influence. So I also need to be to be mindful and to be respectful of my company. So I, I don't wade into the controversial when it comes to faith, and, and I just understand that God can use me to connect with people personally without me preaching about my values and beliefs on my radio show. So my responsibility is to my employer. Now, when it comes to how I work my faith in, I do believe it's more about the fruits of the Spirit. Can you have kindness? Can you have grace? Can you show mercy? Can you be compassionate? Uh, Without overtly sharing my faith, all of those qualities shine through. And we know that's part of being a Christian, is to have those fruits of the Spirit and to to stand out because of who you are and how you relate to people and how you love one another. It's not necessarily the words that we say. Mm -hmm. It's about how we love people. And isn't that what attracts most people to Jesus, is how He loves us and how He interacts with us? and and His grace and His mercy. And so, yeah, it's, it's a tough line to walk. There are times when there are you know, big social headlines or, or cultural and society uh, topics and subjects that I'm uncomfortable with. Mm-hmm. And so I ask God to give me wisdom. I ask God to give me guidance. And and I'm very careful to speak the truth in love as much as I possibly can. But that's the thing. I'm not going to lie, and I'm not going to go against my faith, uh, but but there are ways to share what we believe and share the truth in love without being accusatory, without being rude, without being uh, self-righteous. I don't want to be any of those things because then your message is lost as you speak it.
1: And your point is well t- taken. It's that inward transformation that comes through with faith, how God transforms our lives, and then we're able to be the person that we want to be in him. Which brings me to the next question. How do you pray? What sustains you? For you to have strength to do what you do as a Christian in secular media, you have to draw strength from God, I would think. So how do you pray? What gives you that nourishment, if you will, to go forth every day and do what you do?
0: Well, the number one most important thing, I believe, is humility. This is not me who's created this incredible career for myself and everyone look at me. That, that's not how I feel about it. God has opened doors for me. He's given me opportunities. But I also look back and I recognize there were times when I wasn't ready for his blessings. There were times when I wasn't ready for his platform, Ron. There were times when, had he put me in that arena, I would have crashed and burned. And I would have done more damage than I did good. And so uh, I think the first thing to recognize is that God gives us these opportunities, but he can just as easily take them away if we are not handling them with the right grace and and recognition about what's most important and so pride I think we have to be very careful in in this arena or any arena not to have pride and to believe this is me, uh, but so humility is so important obviously grace is so important too, and patience um, and as I say, speaking the truth but doing it with love, not divisive or accusatory um, and for me. I recognize work is its a significant part of my life. In fact, it's my mission field. It's funny because it's not just my job or even my career. It's a mission field and a platform that God has given me, and I'm so grateful for that, but also humbled by it. And so away from work, I... It's not. It's only a part of who I am. I I obviously have to do a lot of work from home, but I teach kiddos at my church on Sunday mornings, fourth and fifth graders. That's (laughs) another gift that I believe God has given me is to teach. So I do that, and I have a small group with my church that is so important for us to share and connect and support and encourage one another. I have relationships with girlfriends um, and, and a couple family members where we can also, and I've moved so many times in my life that I don't have a lot of friends locally and no family locally in New Jersey, but it's important to be on the phone or to stay connected with other believers so we can support and encourage each other. And then my own time praying and my own time in the Word and listening to podcasts and just having that space where it's not completely full of what we do and and the media and all of the input, right, TV, radio, r- the Internet, all of those things, uh, we can get lost in that when a lot of times um, it's not our reality. So we have to stay refreshed. We obviously need to spend that time with the Lord, um, that quiet time with the Lord. And I will confess, there are times, stretches, football season, where I struggle with it, um, but to, to get away from work and to walk out of the door every morning, um, to come home, to have a peaceful house, to spend time with friends and family, and then, and most importantly, to stay connected to a local church and to recognize that that really is the refreshing, and it fills us up when we run out.
1: In our remaining moments, we have a little bit over a minute remaining. You have seen many great athletes during the course of your career, but is there one athlete that you said, wow, they have incredible God-given talent?
0: Oh, my gosh, just one? Just one. Oh, goodness. Well, I I do love what we've seen from Steph Curry. And and I would say, as I told you going back to the late 80s and 90s where I fell in love with basketball, with the NBA, Steph Curry and the Warriors. But Steph is a Christian. He talks about God openly. Uh, He and his wife and his family, they have a, a deep faith, and it's always been real important to him he's returned the joy of basketball i think to so many fans because mm-hmm. of the style with which he plays the wild abandon of course it's the talent but it's also the fact that he, that he incorporates his teammates he loves his teammates i mean they they really enjoy playing and so that I think it's contagious, the way that he plays, the fact that the Warriors are so much fun to watch, and it really has rekindled my love for the NBA uh, in ways that I kind of thought was lost when I was a kid, and, and when I stopped watching as a fan and started watching as a host, it's it's fun to see the Warriors and Steph Curry as the spearhead.
1: And Amy Lawrence must love the three-point shot, obviously, so uh, Curry certainly has many of those as well. Amy Lawrence has been our guest. Uh, She's the host of CBS Sports Radio's late-night show, After Hours with Amy Lawrence. The show can be heard weekdays from 2 to 6 a.m. Eastern time on North America's largest 24-7 major market radio network. Catch her on Sirius XM 158 as well. Amy, thanks so much. That was awesome to learn more about your career, obviously, that spanned over 20 years. But what's at the heart of who you are, and that is your faith life. And I thank you for joining us here on Blessed to Play.
0: Oh, it was an honor to join your show, especially to be able to talk about my faith. I don't have that opportunity very often, so thank you, Ron, for giving me the forum.
1: Yeah, thanks so much. Hey, Blessed to Play fans, check us out on the web at blessedtoplay.com. That's blessed2play.com. You can like us on Facebook, hit us up on Twitter at Blessed to Play. For Amy Lawrence, I'm Ron Meyer. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll catch you next time right here on Blessed to Play. You've been listening to Blessed to Play with host Ron Meyer on the EWTN Global Catholic Network. If you have a question or comment about today's show, feel free to email us at info at blessedtoplay.com. That's blessed, the number two, play.com. You can also connect with the show on the web at www.blessedtoplay.com. Again, that's blessed, the number two, play.com. Join us again next time for Blessed to Play on the EWTN Global Catholic Network.